All right. Well, welcome to episode two of Undrafted GM. I appreciate you guys coming back. We, uh, yeah, we're, this is this is going to be a unique situation this week. This is not going to be like normal. Um, normally, we're going to have the show on Saturday. It's going to immediately follow the Pops and Low Radio Show here on Say What You Will Radio. Um, but we're doing things a little bit different this week. We actually had a unique video, or I'm sorry, unique interview on the Pops and Low Radio Show, and so we actually had to adjust schedule a little bit. So we're kind of in the middle of the games right now, everyone. So obviously, um, your 10 o'clock games are wrapping up. Um, we are just getting those kicked off for the 225 games. And then obviously, we got the Sunday night game tonight. But uh, man, this is episode two. I really appreciate everybody's support for episode one. If you tuned in, if you viewed it, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. So um, we actually do have a new Instagram page for the channel. Go check that out at undrafted underscore GM. Um, but yeah, we'll get into it. Um, first and foremost, I'm a little upset. Nobody told me that Jameis Winston is wearing Aaron Brooks number in New Orleans. Okay, I feel like that's disrespectful. Like I was a big Aaron Brooks fans in the early 2000s. Um, he should have stuck with, you know, three or five or whatever Jameis wanted to wear. Like, but come on, number two, I feel like, mm, yeah, you're just, you're not Aaron Brooks, bro. Um, here's the thing though. I know that a lot of people were kind of up in arms about the Jameis Winston situation in New Orleans. Um, Taysom Hill's right move. Okay. If I am, you know, the GM for New Orleans, if I'm Sean Payton, if I'm trying to look for the future, Jameis is not my future, and I know that. Jameis' insurance for what you believe is going to be a Super Bowl run, they really believe every year that Drew Brees is still there, they're going to go win a Super Bowl. I mean, that that roster is so talented. Um, Alvin Kamara's otherworldly, uh, and he's playing like it right now. And when you have a roster that's built to win now, um, you know, you you don't want to invest in a guy that you're still unsure about. Jameis still has a lot of things that he's looking to do. He still has a lot of cleaning up to do. I mean, he just came from Tampa Bay going 30 and 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions and 30 touchdowns. Yeah, that's cool. That's great, man. Like awesome. You can't have 30 turnovers and expect a winning season. And so, uh, Sean Payton knows that. And you still, Taysom Hill is still an unknown entity. He's unique because he's one of the first players that they've kind of played in. Like I call it that pop Warner role, right? Where you just stick him in and let him kind of play whatever position that you feel he can, because He's one of your better athletes on the team. Um, and so he's obviously played tight end. He's been play, He's been lined up about wide in the slot, uh, running back. They put him in at quarterback, let him sneak, do designed runs, all sorts of fun stuff. But um, you got to know what you really get from him as a true full-time quarterback, and this is the opportunity to do that with Breeze down. Uh, I think they said Breeze cracked like 11 different parts of his ribs. Like it, it's insane. So he's going to be out for a little bit, but Jameis is not your future. Jameis is here as a placeholder. I don't even know if he's the clear-cut number two. I still think Taysom's that battle in a situation if Breeze goes down long-term. Um, but Taysom could potentially be your future. That could save you a very high-end draft pick next year or trying to get a guy like um, Zach Wilson from BYU in the draft, whatever the case may be. So, oh, we are looping over audio here. There we go. Um, but, yeah, so the, you know, the fact that People were upset about the Jameis Winston thing. Again, I understand because on paper it looks like, okay, death chart, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. No, it's not that clear-cut and obvious. If you have a better athlete, you have a better athlete. All right, we got a uh, 
uh, Kyle Nesbaum. He said that Taysom brings so much more to the table than Winston ever could. And that's the thing is like, um, oh, yeah, and hey, my girl's watching. How you doing, babe? Um, and uh, Taysom does, NK. What Taysom brings is like, I mean, he's a passionate guy. You, you could tell. And it's not that I don't think Jameis is. I do think Jameis was a winner in college. And I I, I don't know. I was never sold on, on, Tays- uh, on Jameis coming out. But here's the thing. Jameis, like I said, he has a lot of fine-tuning to do. Okay? He understands that he has benefits. He understands that he has strengths. He does not understand his weaknesses. It's like there was always that knock on Brett Favre, right? If you're a gunslinger, you always have that gunslinger mentality. It's kind of the knock on Sam Darnold right now is you want to rip it every play. You're not, you know, fitting within the scheme necessarily. You are the scheme. And so they kind of give you that free reign. But in order to be like a guy like that and be successful, Brett was successful like that even at the end of his career. We watched him in that Minnesota game against San Fran, a very good San Fran team when he was with the Vikings. He, he just looked, you know, otherworldly again. And that dude was, what, 40 at that point? 41? And so that's just something that, I mean, at this point, are you investing in your future or are you investing in the now? Jameis, if you don't think he doesn't help you out, don't play him. Um, I did want to talk about one more thing because I do want to get into the games. The games are live right now. Um, there's a lot of the two 225 games going on. Um, go ahead. Uh, we do have a... Uh uh, from Bob Williams, he says, Burrow just said in a tweet, see you next year. No. That's a shame. Way. Okay, first off, that's, you know, wow. I We haven't even got any updates as far as the league or anything yet. It might be happening at the same time. But uh, for those who don't know, Joe Burrow just went down with a knee injury. Um, they were playing Washington. That is terrible. That guy was on pace for, you know, potentially rookie of the year. Um he was just playing out of his mind. And so here's what's good about that. Joe Burrow's about, about to speed up his mental time frame in a very short amount of time. He is going to excel in the playbook next year. The biggest thing is they have to keep that balance of he can't become automatically gun-shy now that he he's had a major injury right away. And I'm assuming that it's major because we're in November. You know, if he's talking about see you next year, we're, we probably won't see him again until training camp. You know, they're not going to, they might put him through OTAs because year two, but I, I'm not rushing him back. I, I know I have enough film from this year. I got 10, 11 weeks of film that I know exactly what I'm going to get from him. And so his mental time frame is actually going to speed up. Um, hopefully this isn't something that we see long term. I, I don't want to see Joe Burrow injured all the time. We have too many quarterbacks that play that battle right now. Um, but I did want to talk about, you know, we're talking about young quarterbacks, Joe Burrow. I wanted to talk about what happened with the DeAndre Hopkins catch. I mean, that's one of the great Hail Marys of all time. I think it's up there with, you know, unfortunately, it always seems to happen here in Glendale, right? Aaron Rodgers did it twice here. I mean, it's just Hail Marys seem to be the ball flies better in this altitude for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really unique, like – DeAndre Hopkins, that guy is just elite. He's elite as elite gets. Man, does that make Bill O'Brien look like he purposely tanked the ship even more. Um, I'm really glad they kicked him out as GM of the Texans, as head coach too, because he was abysmal. Um, But I think 
there is a great misunderstanding as far as the trade market in the NFL. And I think that people that are currently, you know, working in those positions as GMs, director of player personnel, um, any of those type of positions where, you know, you effectively have to look at the trade market. I, I think it is, obviously there's things like salary cap, you know, cap casualties, different things like that that come into play. Uh, dead money. You don't want money floating around like that. But I think that there's an issue with investing in the now. DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals was an investment in the now and the future. And I think that that is what's really, really, really unique about the trade market that is impossible to get from the draft. Okay. Let's take, for example, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Trevor Lawrence, eh, we're pretty sure he's coming out of Clemson. If he does, okay, obviously everyone's going to presume that the Jets are going to take him number one overall unless somebody hands them half of their respective franchise. Um, I don't see the Jets moving out of that spot and not taking him. I, I just don't. Um, they're expecting him to be a generational talent. Got a guy like Andrew Luck, like come in, immediate impact. Even that, okay, even a guy like Trevor Lawrence coming in and having that immediate impact, I don't think nearly has the impact that a guy like DeAndre Hopkins has. And obviously you're like, oh, well, duh, DeAndre Hopkins is a proven NFL player. Of course. But my point is when you are a GM or head coach or whatever the case is and you're trying to build your franchise, why not go to the well of what's proven? Why do we feel that the need to build our team has to come from the draft year in, year out? If you're a team that's on the verge, you're a team that's close and you know you're close in the NFL you know the hierarchy. Now, obviously, there's a couple ups and downs. Like, let's be honest, the Browns are six and three, six and or now seven and three. Um, you know, you know some of those things that are going to happen as far as your franchise. You go in with certain realistic expectations. Um, unlike, I guess, Anthony Lynn, uh, the head coach for the Chargers, because he went in thinking they were Super Bowl bound. Um, you go in with a certain level of, of knowing what you have in your roster and what's going to be feasible for your roster there's guys that there are there's franchises that know they're competing for a super bowl this year there's franchises that know that they're competing to maybe make the playoffs but they're also competing for a draft spot um you know teams like jacksonville you know what you are but let's say that let's take miami okay um talking about a team like miami that is now six and three maybe even we'll see what happens today but a six and three Miami squad. We're now talking about a playoff contender. Now their playoff chances are getting pretty slim. They're they're at like forty percent, so they have a tough schedule ahead. Okay, um, but being the fact that you are so right there, why would you wait until the respective following year, the next draft class, to try to get that game changer, that guy that's going to change the the course of the franchise when there's guys out there. There's GMs that are always looking to unload their superstar. Okay, DeAndre Hopkins leaving Houston and, you know, being traded to Arizona changed the future of those two franchises because what it did is it changed Kyler Murray's progression by light years. And it declined Deshaun Watson's progression by light years. And that's not Deshaun Watson's fault. We were, me and Pops were just watching the highlight of Deshaun Watson beating the uh, Pats today. 
and he's playing his butt off. That guy is a freak athlete. He is. I think he's that upper echelon of quarterback right now. I, I would build my franchise around that guy. But if you don't have elite talent around him, if you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have a receiver that can make those type of plays, you're talking about a very different career path. Kyler Murray is now in those conversations for deep playoff runs. He's now in that conversation for, okay, well, the offense isn't a problem. Let's just go focus on the defense, right? So if you have the ability to get a game changer, don't wait until the next draft class. You know, there's a ton of teams right now that I can think about. And obviously last week we talked about San Fran trading for Matt Ryan. That's that. I think that even with Jimmy G having the no trade clause, they should go all in on trying to get Matt Ryan, fit the system, you know, take those steps forward. I think that if you're in a position where you're win now, commit to the win now. Okay, we have to get out of that mindset that, hey, the draft is the only way we're going to be able to change the outcome of this team because it's just not true. Um, man, a lot going on in the league today. Obviously, we just talked about the Joe Burrow injury. That's massive. You know, I'm definitely going to be praying for him. Hopefully, he's moving forward. That That's tough. But um, a lot going on. We had our first, I wouldn't say first, but as far as predictable upsets, I would say that this is one I never picked. Um, the Titans just beat the Ravens in OT. The AFC implications that come from that, massive, massive. And we're talking like, you know, not within the next couple of weeks. We're talking playoff level now. Um, oh, thank you for pulling up the scores. So, uh, yeah, you can see there, bottom left hand of the screen, the Titans just beat the Ravens in OT. That is just, the Titans are scary, man. Because one week they play the Steelers and they look like they're not going to compete. And then the next week they're out there outclassing the Ravens because that's what that is. Okay, when you're winning a game 30-24 to 24 in OT, that's a coaching game at that point. And the Titans and Ravens are very similar, okay, in some retrospects. There's a lot of people that believe, um, you know, Lamar's not the type of passer that they were hoping he was going to be. There's a lot of people that believe Tannehill's still just a good enough athlete in that run game is so strong that he doesn't need to be a true quarterback. And so those teams are both very defensive heavy. They both have very fast defenses. And having teams like that, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week with Tom Gully. Those are teams that are built to win. But when it comes down to, you know, playoff time, look at those offenses. Is Lamar Jackson and Willie Sneed going to beat Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Derrick Henry? No. It's just not going to happen. And so, uh, you know, we talked a lot about balance last week. And, you know, right now the NFL is crazy. I mean, the Browns, 22-17 over the Eagles. I wouldn't say that's expected. But for this Browns team, what's crazy is you do expect that. Philly's crumbling. They are falling apart. They have injuries to both of their starting tight ends. Um, I believe Jason Peters is out again. Like, they, they are just crumbling. That that franchise is going to have to take a really long, hard look at their future, and that starts with Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, the Texans beating the Pats. That's just fun. You know, that doesn't really do anything for anybody. Uh, we don't even think the Pats are going to make that run and, you know, anything like that. And so, um, obviously, you know, Steelers 10-0, first time in franchise history. I got to love that. But... 
expected. It's nice to see the Steelers get an expected win. It's not common. But uh, the Cardinals-Seahawks game, what a game. Seattle, you're starting to show that you are who I thought you were. Okay? What that game showed is closing ability. The ability to close games and then be done. Okay? Um, Russell, I, I still, I don't care what anybody says. Kyler shouldn't get the MVP over you. Oh, um, but yeah, Seattle, that defense, Carlos Dunlap, what a trade. That, it made all the world. It literally closed the game out. He f- sack on the final play, Rudy style. Um, Carlos Dunlap is still a very good pass rusher, and I think that that does change a lot of things for them. Their linebacking core, you know, I, I still think is one of the best in the league, and their secondary is really not that bad. Quentin Dunbar has been a good free agent pickup. Um, Shaq Griffin, you know, I mean, he's consistent. I wouldn't say he's anywhere, you know, high end, low end. He's just, I would say, middle of the road, corner number two. Um, they've got some guys like Ugo Amadi, uh playing the nickel, things like that. Like, you know, Jamal Adams, he's been what they wanted from him. I wouldn't say he's been, you know, what he had, what he was with the Jets, but they don't depend on him the way that the Jets did. Um, and then, let's see, Panthers, Lions, fire Matt Patricia. I was talking to some Lions fans this week, and fire Matt Patricia. That guy's got to go. He's he's atrocious. There is no reason that that Panthers team should beat that Lions team. That's just my opinion. The Panthers aren't as talented. Um, defensively, their offense, they're playing with a quarterback who was literally in the uh, AAF last year. Like, come on. Um, yeah, Panthers whooped them, too. It wasn't even funny. Uh, can you go ahead and scroll down for me, Pop, so we can keep rolling on that? Do you got any comments or anything, by the way? Uh, there was just a comment by Kyle. He said, I feel like we've seen so many more season-ending injuries this year compared to the past. I don't have stats to prove that, but it just seems like a lot. So let me ask you this. For all those people that are listening right now, is it because of everything with COVID? Is it because of the shortened season, shortened off season? Do you think it has anything to do with those protocols? I think that's the entire contributing factor. Now, obviously, every year in the past, I think it's, uh, five to seven years that they've done the evaluations, those ACL injuries have kind of fluctuated, but they've whenever they fluctuate, they go up quite a bit, down a little, up quite a bit, down a little. And so, you know, they're still continually progressing forward. Um, let me see. Oh, Bob Williams said, heard another great stat from the Steelers, uh, 60-some consecutive games, six years with a sack. I hope I'm saying that right. Hey, Listen, <laughs> steel curtain, okay? Obviously, this is not that defense, but this defense is damn good, okay? Um, this is what I would consider a Super Bowl contending defense. We'll have to see if Big Ben continues to be efficient because throwing a pick against the Jags is upsetting. But, uh, yeah, continues to be efficient. We're spreading the ball well. We have... A lot of talent offensively. No reason to not keep plowing forward. Um, But, yeah, so, you know, as far as some of the other games going on, like you said, obviously we talked about Burrow. Oh, go ahead, Pop. Uh, Yeah, Kyle just says that uh, I think it comes from not being able to tackle like before. Now you're seeing people getting hit low. That could be – he may have something there. Yeah, and so obviously there's a, you know, there's a tackle box for the offense, right, Uh, meaning – where the offensive tackle stands, but there's also a tackle box for where you're supposed to hit guys. 
Okay. Um, and that being the case, there's also a technique that they teach now. It's called, some people call it the death roll, dragon roll, whatever. Um, it's a really popular one. That's why you see on a lot of plays when guys wrap up, they're hitting driving with their shoulder and then they roll. Right. And so you're supposed to come underneath. Now, it sounds scary because it's like, oh, well, what if their cleat gets stuck their knee? That doesn't happen as often as you think. That momentum usually carries you through. Um, but I do agree. I think a lot of it has to do with guys are hesitant. Okay, especially like you're a young guy, rookie, anywhere from year one to three. You're not making enough money to cover those fines easily, right? If they're slapping you with $250,000 and that's what your salary is for the year, that's that's it. Right now, I'm not I'm not going full tilt. I'm still trying to make the squad. And if you get fine, how's that going to look when I go back to the coach right now and he pulls film? So I definitely think that's a big factor. Offseason training just changed a lot. You know, good. Yeah, I just uh, was thinking, though, like Drew Brees, you can't you're not going to build up your rib muscles. That's different. Right. You know, and Dak Prescott. That was a freak accident. It's just a weird season. Okay, but hear me out with the Dak Prescott and how I think that's interesting. Um, and I appreciate you bringing up that point. How I think that's different than the Drew Brees situation. Drew Brees, dude, he just he was getting hammered. Okay, it just that's just bad O line play. Um, and Drew Brees is you know a pocket guy. That's <laughs> that it comes with standing your ground, right? Um, but what's different is. One, Dak's a mobile quarterback. I think especially that early on in the season, there's no preseason, okay? It, and it makes a difference, people. It makes a massive difference. So for that semi-pro team that I coach with, it takes a long time for some of those guys to be eager to hit again. And they'll tell you, they're like, the first one's always the one that you're nervous no matter how many times, how many years you've played football, how many games you've played in, at what level. It's a irrelevant you need they they call it the first pop you need the first contact to really get like oh okay this is what that's a reminder of nfl guys are the same way they're still guys okay you still need that contact it's not like you know they're practicing smacking into each other at home they're not taking any additional hits the offseason the offseason some of these guys don't even practice otas or training camp anymore imagine like big ben that dude sits out everything except for maybe a quarter of one preseason game. And then game one, he's expected to get in and go against guys like Khalil Mack. Like, that's, come on. Go ahead, Pop. Uh, Kyle says, yeah, but preseason doesn't make your bones stronger. It's, I, and see, that's the argument that I disagree with. I don't I don't know. I, I personally, and I get that, see, you're a medic, so you think about it that way. But I don't look at it from a bone density standpoint, anything like that. I think it's a mental preparation. I think it's a angles that you tack at, uh, tackle at. I think it's angles that you take contact at. I think it's just different mental preparation as far as being prepared for this type of game. It's violent. Even even with all the penalties and you know the hand-holding that's definitely going on now, it's still a violent game. Go ahead. Uh, Bob Williams says Burrow just got rolled and his knee was the pivot point. Yep. Wasn't even a bad hit, just bad luck. And and that's <laughs> they call it the the green turf monster, right? It's the grass is the deadliest part. You know, I mean, wearing cleats at all just makes it. You know, it's impossible to run without them. But having them just makes there's so many elements to it that can go wrong. Your cleat can get stuck. Weird, like it happens all 
the ton. Non-contact injuries. Look what it did to Teddy Bridgewater, a non-contact injury. He was dropping back in practice and blew out like 50 different parts of his knee and was gone for almost three years. It's insane. Look at Alex Smith. I mean, that guy had the Theismann injury, but that's these injuries come from multiple different things. I don't think it's the bone density that you're mentioning. Um, do I think that plays a factor? Sure. These guys do some workouts to help with like neck injuries, concussions, stuff like that. And uh, if you're eating well, that's why I'm not 100% bought into the agreement. Like, I think a big issue with Cam Newton, he's a topic quite frequently between me and Pops. Um, I think Cam Newton's durability issues come from the fact that he switches diet midway through the season after he won MVP. He went straight to vegan, stopped eating meat completely. And so, you know, for you people that are more educated in the medical field, please inform me. I, I just, from what I know, your body relies on certain things and certain consistencies. And when you're changing your entire lifestyle as a pro athlete, you got to be prepared for some of those things to change. Um, uh, real quick, Bob but, Williams uh, said that he agrees with low preseason doesn't get your head or it does get your head in the game for lack of a better term. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is I just think it's the, okay, this is what smacking around is like, right? But not full tilt because especially if you're a number one on the depth chart, you're playing a quarter maybe, right? Especially if you're one of those guys. You're just doing enough to get that first pop I was talking about, that first contact, that initial, okay, I got to remember this, right? You're taught from a young age if you play football from a young age, Keep your chin up, you know, drive your shoulder through the ball carrier, that type of stuff. But these guys are, you got to realize, these guys are running close to 20 miles an hour on a football field. Some of them are running over 20 miles an hour. This is not, you know, your typical backyard football. You guys are stumbling into each other and fall down in a heap. Like, this is grown men that have trained their entire lives or in a fit 250-pound shape running almost 20 miles an hour and colliding. So that short space that that they get to actually react, I think it's that preparation to react in that short space that changes things. Got anything for me? Uh, no, but it is the top of the hour. Should we take a quick 30-second break? Let's go ahead and do it. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. All right, we are back on episode two of Undrafted GM. Uh, Man, we are in the thick of it. Right. Uh, week 11, <laughs> we're on that back half of the season. People enjoy it while it's here. Um, games going on right now. Green Bay Indy, Miami's playing. Um, obviously, the big chunk of the, the morning games are all over, but uh, we're really into it. And, and I do want to touch base. I did it last week. 
Um, just a quick recap. I want a spotlight player. Okay, I always like to bring attention to guys that aren't as popular, not as well known, usually either lower draft picks or just not number one on the depth chart. Uh, I'm really going to reach a little bit for this one here because uh, this is somebody that um, I watched through the Senior Bowl. Obviously, I watched him in college. Um, this guy's out of pit. For those of you that know me, I am a pit guy, okay? Uh, but that's actually not why I picked him. What's pretty crazy about him, Dane Jackson, um, right now they got him playing corner. He also played a little bit of safety in college. Um, but then they transitioned him to just being the island guy. Um, 2020 pick. He's brand new. Rookie year one. Um, up and down from the practice squad. But he's a seventh rounder. Okay, pick 239. Um, he's only played um, in five or four games. Okay, he's only started two of those games. And when I say started, I use that term loosely because right now I think they got him in the nickel. And so, um, you know, he's cover, covering slot receivers, that type of stuff. So he's in different sub packages. He's not coming out, you know, the island guy. They got Trey White over there. Um, but what's crazy, so, again, he's only played in four games. Through those four games, okay, um, Pop, if you want to go ahead and actually scroll down for me a little bit so that way they can see what I'm seeing. Um, down here, yep, keep going, sir, a little bit more right there, bam. So if you look and take into account his stats through four games, this is a seventh-round pick. This guy's been up and down off the practice squad all year long. Um, he also was out. I think he was injured for two games, if I'm correct. Um, but So through four games, this guy's got a pick, okay, three pass deflections, and a fumble fumble recovery, not to mention he's combined that with 10 solo tackles and 12 total. Okay, he's playing. Like, that takes guys years to get some of those turnover numbers, pass deflections. You know, you don't just do that coming off a practice squad. This is in a four-game span, right? So he's playing his butt off. I'm telling you right now, if you go back and you watch his tape of doing him doing one-on-one senior bowl, even senior bowl game, his time at Pitt, this is a guy that eventually can be on an island. Okay, I think that he's going to go from seventh round nobody to probably close to, if not your number one. Okay, um, they're definitely going to have him shattering number two receivers, I would say, as early as next season. Okay, um, I don't think they're going to designate him to the slot. He's your typical lanky outside corner, real long arms. Um, I see that this guy could potentially even get to a point where he could become an all-star. Okay, go to the Pro Bowl, that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, so definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Right now he's playing for the Bills, number 30. Um, I think his pick was actually just last week. Um, so you'll definitely want to keep an eye on him. And, no, he was not one of the guys that DeAndre Hopkins mossed. Okay, so don't worry about that. But, uh, yeah, so definitely keep an eye on him. Pop, if you want to scroll up one more time, that's Dane Jackson. Again, he's out of pit. Uh, definitely my spotlight player of the week. So if you want to go ahead and pull those uh, games back up for me, Pop, so we'll start talking about some of the games that are going on. We've talked about some of the ones that have already concluded, too. Um, the Saints-Falcons. We touched on the fact that, again, there's no reason Jameis Winston should be wearing Aaron Brooks numbers. Um, but, yeah, so Taysom Hill came out, obviously. I mean, got the win. That's huge, not really considering against Atlanta. Um, so they beat them pretty handily there. Um, Chargers, Jets, yeah, that game's going on right now. That's not going to be much of a going on. Justin Herbert, man, I'll be honest, in my opinion, as far as rookie of the year, it was him or Burrow. Um, I think, obviously, Burrow going down hurts him. Um, not 
pun intended there. But um, as far as that, I was going to pick Justin Herbert either way. I think Justin Herbert's just been electric, electric. They're going to be really exciting. I would say in two years when they really figure out how to mesh that roster to him, they're going to be really exciting. Um, Washington Bengals. Hey, Alex Smith gets his first win back. That man's had what? He came back, almost won that first game he came back in. Had 300 yards, uh, it was like 360 yards passing the next game. Now he gets his first win. Granted, it's against Cincy, but hey, he's on a nameless football team, so doing pretty good. Uh, Dolphins-Broncos. I fully expect the Dolphins to win that game. I'm shocked that right now it's tied, uh, but I fully expect Miami to come out, be 7-3, and three and keep moving. They're really going to make a push for that um, that third playoff spot. Now here's where it gets, gets really interesting. We talked about it last week. The NFL, they signed that agreement, and obviously it's tentative right now. If there's cancellations to the games that they rescheduled for that mysterious Week 17 uh, loop over games that normally wouldn't be played, and they're forced to have that Week 18, um, they will then move to four wild card spots. And if you remember, we didn't even have three wild card spots before this season. So teams like the Dolphins could be very scary sliding into that fourth wild card spot. Okay, you're talking about a team that has finally figured themselves out. Broncos just went up 10-7, to so they just kicked a field goal. Um, Tua looks good, man. He looked really good in that Arizona game. Oh, go ahead, Pops. Yeah, we got a comment from Donald Malone. He Donald. says, so it's about time for the Lions to fire this guy. It's time for a full overhaul of that team. Yeah, I think it is too. And, um yeah, I think you're 100% right, man. We uh, we talked a little bit about that at practice. Is Matt Patricia's got to go. He's right now the biggest issue. Um, but here's what's what I think you're right about. It is a full overhaul time. It's get Matt Stafford, uh, Matt Stafford out of there because I, I, he needs to go somewhere else. That's unfair to him. But as far as Detroit, they need to learn their own franchise's identity just like the Jets do. Right, they're in the same position. Obviously, they got a couple more wins, but I mean, when you're talking about consistent downplay, no playoff appearances, since yeah, <laughs> Detroit's just notoriously bad. They're going to play on Thanksgiving again, like they do every year, and just still be terrible. And it, it's it's really sad to see they they wasted a lot of Stafford's very very good prime. Um, I, I don't know how we would fit in a system again. We talked about that a lot last week, but. I'm really eager to see what that overhaul looks like. Does that mean that they try to give him to a team like the Jets for the first overall pick? Does that mean they try to, you know, convince maybe Jacksonville or one of those teams in that top five range, hey, we like a Justin Fields or we like a, you know, even Trey Lance. Like, what does that look like? And and who do they think is going to be able to come in? They're going to have to get a very strong personality to change that culture. Uh, Donald says... Just trade Matt Stafford to the Jets for that number one pick and bring a new head coach and GM. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. That's that's where, I, again, I think it would be very interesting for them to try to do that. I don't know if the Jets would bite. I really don't. You're in a situation where you get a once in a, I would say, five year, because I don't believe in once in a generation quarterback right now, um, you know, Mahomes. <laughs> um, I would say once in a five year quarterback. Because Trevor Lawrence is the real deal, people. Like, I'll be honest, I was not a believer at first when he first was starting to emerge. But uh, he's the real deal. 
plays against the real competition, slaughters them. He's going to show up and do some things right away that it's going to look even more so than what Joe Burrow's doing right now. It's going to look more along the lines of Justin Herbert. And so um, I don't know if I'm New York. I'm betting the future of my franchise on taking Stafford rather than that number one pick. But then again, it's New York. It's the Jets. They don't they don't have an investment. I'll be honest. I'm looking at a team like the Giants that are starting to look like they have a defense. They have a once-in-a-lifetime running back in Saquon Barkley. They have Evan Ingram, who I think is an incredible tight end when healthy. They have some pieces there with Sterling Shepard. And I think that a team like that, that has now figured out Daniel Jones is not the answer, and I would argue with any of you on the fact that Daniel Jones is not the answer there, that I would go get Stafford for them. Try to fit him in. He's a vet quarterback. He, he's not going to come in and cause any rifts. He's going to come in and just continue to push that team forward. I think that would be really exciting. But, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they can get any takers, especially for those lower-level picks, because they're going to have to do an overhaul. And maybe they're going to have to bring in a coach that also wants to be GM, have one consistent vision, because I think franchises like that, that's a big reason why they're not. The Jets have Adam Gase, and he's on his own journey. That guy has his own vision for whatever he wants that team to be, and I hope he's gone before they make that pick. Um, all right, let's see here, running down those games. If you want to go ahead and scroll down a little bit for me, Pop, we touched most of those. Yeah, uh, go ahead and scroll down for me. Awesome. And so, uh, yeah, Pat Colt right now tied at seven. Okay, we talked about this last week, people. If the Colts don't turn the ball over... They're scary. That's a scary team. It's the best defense in the league. Okay. Um, Rodgers, dude, <laughs> you got to figure out if you're in or out. I mean, we all know that you don't want to be anywhere in life. Like, you just have that permanent, I don't give an F. But this team is really good. The Packers team is really, really good. Their defense, their secondary is loaded. Okay, and they're having guys emerge. Like, Darnell Savage is finally starting to show his face. And, I mean, Jair Alexander is just otherworldly too, um, but I'm a big Adrian Amos fan. You have guys that are starting to emerge in that defense. Um, they definitely need some work on the inter- interior with guys like Tyler Lancaster, but offensively, like, you don't have any excuse at this point. You wanted an additional receiver. I get you didn't get who you wanted, but, you know, I, I think they'll probably chase Will Fuller this offseason. Realistically, though, Aaron Jones is enough of a receiving back and you have Jamal Williams behind him, and the uh, AJ Dillon from um, Boston College behind him. Like your running back stable is deep enough that you have playmakers. There's no excuse. Go ahead, Pop. Uh, there was just a good comment by uh, Bob Williams. He says, "When you say complete overhaul, I guess referring back to the uh, the Lions, right? That means cheerleaders, bus driver, and the dude mixing the Gatorade. Get them all out of there. <laughs> Winning starts top down." But the bottom holds the top up. Okay, like, there's a reason that classic franchises win. Okay, now, obviously, when we're talking classic franchises, the Giants are in that conversation, the Jets are in that conversation, and they haven't. But it's because they're not at their root level anymore. They're in a different space than they've been for years and years and years, right? Think about the Giants when Eli was there in his prime and Tom Coughlin. You knew what you were getting every year. You were getting an average to maybe a little bit above average defense. 
with an offense that was going to pound the rock and Eli was going to rip a few. Like it was just, you knew what you were getting, but they were true to what they believed. Their vision was always the same. Their vision was always to dominate time of possession and then let Eli make a big throw or two, right? They don't have an identity anymore, but that's a franchise identity. I don't believe in the fact that your players on the field build that identity and build that culture. Your front office builds that culture. And then that culture then perpetuates all the way down into players all the way down into the people that work in the stadium. It It's at all levels. Winning's at all levels, right? It's just like that saying, it takes a child, uh, takes a village to raise a child. It takes the entire franchise to win. Okay. To build that team up to a championship level. Everybody's got to be on their P's and Q's. You got something else for me? Uh, no, I was just thinking about the documentary called the water boy. Don't ever undersell the Gatorade guy. He said the documentary. That's awesome. Um, oh, uh, Kyle does say, I'll go uh, play in Detroit. Ain't touched the ball in years, but it's worth a shot. Hey, man. Look, we kept training. You'd been a great slot. Um, and that's the thing is, like, at this point, there's so much young talent out there. There's so much. Every year somebody's coming out, okay, every single year. Um there's going to be somebody that can really affect change. And here's what I do think that the giant, uh, the Lions did well. DeAndre Swift is is a guy, okay? He, he can stick around. Um, I think AP was a little bit of them trying to buy some of their loyalty back from their fans, and it definitely worked in some instances because we all love to see AP win. Um, but having like guys like DeAndre Swift, those are the type of guys you need to be drafting year in, year out. Not only does he have the ability to change games and be influential, Obviously, everybody thinks about his infamous drop earlier in the year. Irrelevant. He's going to be fine and dandy next year. But guys like that that maybe aren't the top of their class, but are right in that, you know, first round, first bottom of the first, like those are the guys that you can really build your franchise with. Um, Let's see here. Cowboys, Vikings. Oh, God. Minnesota. Let me talk to you really quick. If you lose to Dallas, the entire state should disown you. I mean, they pretty much have right now because, unfortunately, as much as I like Kirk Cousins, nobody believes in him. Um, that franchise doesn't even believe in him. Honestly, <laughs> there you go, Detroit. Get a bridge guy like that. Bring Kirk Cousins in just to manage your game until you can find the guy. Right? Bring him in while you're doing transitions. He went through one in Washington. Um, he went through... Another one, uh, you know, obviously going to Minnesota, but he, he's been through some OC changes, things like that. Like, when you're talking about bridging your franchise to that next step, you need a guy that's real neutral. He can't be over the top. He can't be, you know, I'm the guy. He, he's got to just be somebody that's a little more laid back, not going to cause you any issues. But those guys aren't always winners. And so... He would be a nice bridge guy. I would definitely try to look out for that. But, man, Kirk, if you lose to Dallas, dude, they're on quarterback four. Like, uh, yeah, Dallas and Minnesota both got to figure out their identity. And I'm telling you right now, Dallas's identity is getting rid of Jerry Jones. It's the only answer. If there was a way that you could uproot a GM and owner, burn uh, whatever you got to do, right? Like, if there's some... 
accidental legal paperwork that means he somehow doesn't become the owner anymore and the city just takes over. That's still a better situation than Jerry Jones because you guys are never going to win with that mindset that he has. That dude, it's like he thinks he's the head coach, but I can't even explain it. But, yeah, you got to get rid of him if you guys ever want to turn that page and be a winner again. Um, Rams-Bucks is tomorrow. There's a reason I'm saving the Sunday night game. Uh, Rams-Bucks is tomorrow. I actually think that's a sneaky good game. It's pretty much a rematch of the Pats-Rams Super Bowl, right? Because the Rams have eh, mostly stayed intact. Obviously, they're missing, like, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley. Um, but the Bucks are the Patriots south, right? Everybody jumped ship, went down there, and, uh, man, we are really still waiting to see if that Antonio Brown investment is going to pay off. I, I don't think it is. Um, and then, man, that game tonight – Chiefs Raiders. So, um, I was actually asked by a friend of mine, Raymond. He asked, he was like, hey, think the Raiders are going to win again? My heart tells me, please, right? Yes, absolutely. My brain says no. Do you know how hard it is to beat a team two times back-to-back? Especially in the regular season, right? It's impossible in the playoffs, but it's hard in the regular season. That's why even when, you know, let's say, Three, five years ago, the Steelers playing the Browns twice, and we would beat them most of the time twice. If they lost, it's not really that surprising. For you to see a team twice, the same team, same roster, all that, they're running the same playbook, and now you've been seeing five more games of their film, six more games of their film, right? You know what they are. You can game plan for everything that they showed you. It's not like they're magically going to come up with a new system. And so there's things that you can prepare for that you weren't able to before. It's always, you know, Pops and I had that conversation about the Lamar Jackson fall off from last year is insane last year. Statistically, he was just going crazy. And there's just things that you can see and figure out from film. Film coaching has such a massive influence, especially in the NFL, because you have 53 coaches on the sideline with your 53-man roster. And... I just don't see a team like the Chiefs losing twice to Oakland. The first one was heartfelt. It was Oakland going out there being like, yeah, we're not going to let Big Brother bully us. But it's still Big Brother. He's still, you know, going to grab you by the back of your shirt. And so, unfortunately, I think Kansas City will probably beat them pretty solidly tonight. I would say maybe even 14-plus point deficit. And that hurts me. That hurts me because I'll tell you right now, if Oakland beats them twice... Wow, does that shake up the AFC? Not to mention Baltimore just lost. Whoo, man, does that shake up the AFC? I just don't see it back to back. Got anything for me over there? Just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, not at all. Not right now. Cool. Um, you know, I do want to circle back a little bit. Do you want to go over the standings or finish with that? No, we're, we'll go over the standings. We got some time. We still got about 15 minutes. Um. But I do want to circle back a little bit. We were talking about the trade culture. If you want to go ahead and pull those standings up while we're talking. Um, you know, we were talking about the trade culture and, and just that mindset of like, hey, you know, we'll get them in the draft. A lot of teams draft for need, you know, and it's just like anybody that's played fantasy football, drafting for need never really helps you. You need to draft for best player available and then just, you know, you're in a good situation regardless. Um, but... What's unique about the draft is it forces you 
to draft for need, but it also makes you immediately regret not drafting best player available because it's like, oh, well, you know, if I have a starting quarterback, I'm not going to draft Trevor Lawrence. Would the system be wrong if you did? No, it wouldn't. Like, you know, but I feel like the trade market's the same. Take a guy for, we'll say A.J. Green. Okay, he's a vet. He's past his prime. You can obviously tell the injury bugs got him. But I also think the system that he's in, he's been in his entire career. You don't know what else you can get from him. Why would you not float, hey, Cincy, I know this is a little bit low, but you guys really don't have any takers anyways. I'll float you a sixth form. I'll float you a fifth form. What does that hurt? Nothing. You get a vet. You get a great locker room guy. What if he shows up and he is the guy that builds that chemistry for that wide receiver room? You don't know. You don't know if maybe he still does have some production left. He's just not being utilized because I'm telling you right now, they're not targeting him. It doesn't hurt you. It only improves your chances. Do you have that pulled up here, Pop? Awesome. So just real real quick at the end of our uh, hour here, we'll uh, recap those standings. So uh, AFC East, again, the Bills are looking like that's it. Now here's the thing, though. Um, Actually, I'm interested. Can you actually go to the Bills schedule real quick for me, Pop? Go ahead and click on that for me. Let's see what they got left. I want to look at what they have. So, uh, next match up. Okay, yeah, because they have the bye this week. So, they have the Chargers, Niners, Stillers, Broncos, Pats, Dolphins on. Oh, man. Okay, so, the last game of the season could flip that division. Wow. Wow. So, as you guys saw in the standings, uh, the Bills are currently 7-3. The Dolphins are right now in the middle of a game that I fully expect them to win. And if they win, they're 7-3 too. Okay? And right now, um, the Bills won their last matchup. Okay? The Bills are 4. Uh, or, I'm sorry. Uh, can you actually go over their division record? It should be on there. Or maybe even if you click that open, that should pull that up. Um uh, maybe understandings there. But yeah, I kn- uh, actually, here, do me a favor, go back to games. And then if you scroll up for me, we'll see their last matchup. There we go. Yeah. So, oh man, I forgot. Wow. Week two was a lifetime away from us. Um, I did not realize that game was that close. And that's with a Brian Fitzpatrick led Dolphins team. That's with the Dolphins defense that didn't realize they were the best scoring defense in football. That is crazy. What a stage that's building to change the AFC East. We know the Pats aren't in it. Obviously, the Jets aren't even a thought. Uh, What a final game on the third. That is insane. I'm really excited for that. So that's going to be a big matchup. And so looking at the rest of the Bills' schedule, if you want to go ahead and scroll back down. Actually, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. There we go. Um, You know, um, let's say beat the Chargers. Niners will be interesting. Steelers will be interesting. Beat the Broncos. Beat the Pats. I mean, you're looking at worst case scenario, 10 and 6, right? Worst case scenario at 7 and 3. I mean, I don't even see that. I'll be honest. I think they finished it at least 11 and 5, if not 12 and 4, right? Um, because maybe the games that they lose are the Steelers game, which I'm hoping that's, you know, a hope for me. Um, and then maybe the Niners or. You know, one of the Niners of the Pats shock them a little bit. Um, so worst case scenario, they're 
I would say 11 and 5. And let's go ahead and check the uh, Dolphins' remainder of their schedule. Let's see. So the Dolphins, oh, wow. What a table this is setting up for. So if the Dolphins win today, which, again, I believe that they will. So let's say that they do win today. They're 7 and 3 as well. They now face the 0 and 9 Jets. Win. They, fa- they face Cincy without Burrow. Win. They face the Chiefs. Loss. Um, they face the Pats. I believe they'll win. Ooh, they face the Raiders and the Bills back-to-back. So that's tough. But, hey, we're still talking about 11-5 and five or 10-6. and six. We're talking about the same record. If they walk into that Bills game with a tied record and then a similar division, oh, man, that what... That might be the most pivotal game as far as statistical categories as well as just matchup. Because I'll be honest, the Dolphins' defense is better than their offense right now, and the Bills' offense is better than their defense right now. So that will be an awesome game. That's setting up for a really primetime event. Um, and But, hey, if we get that fourth playoff spot, it may not matter. You know, that they may, they'll, you know, both be in, but wouldn't that be wild if the Dolphins could flip to the division the last week and force the Bills into a wild card spot? And then the Bills are trying to play uphill. But hey, if I'm a team upper echelon, the Chiefs, who you might wind up facing again, right? Or even a team that, like the Ravens that just hurt themselves, I don't want to see the Bills. I don't want to see the Bills first round at all. Go ahead and scroll down for me. Thanks, sir. So, uh, yeah, the the Raiders game today, I still don't think it affects the division winner. Um, but I do definitely think it, it affects a little bit of the, I don't know, just kind of the Chiefs' dominance. Because if they win again today, that's two games on tape that will show you exactly how to beat the Chiefs. John Gruden's going to lay it out for you. Go ahead, Pops. I saw you were going to interject there. Oh, I was just going to uh, wait, but I was thinking between the Bills and the uh, uh, Dolphins. The Bills and the Dolphins, and then you've got the Raiders. Uh, if the Ravens keep playing the way they're playing, they may not. They could slip out. They could slip out of they the playoffs. They could slip out of the playoffs. And is that not scary in that fact? Because, you know, talking about, you know, teams like the Raiders, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Ravens, the Titans, the AFC is loaded on that middle road. They're not, you know, obviously the Chiefs are doing well, the Steelers are doing well, you know, the but you don't know what's going to happen in the AFC East. Go ahead and go to the AFC South for me. We talked about this last week too, okay? The Titans just lost, so that should say 6-4. and four. And the Colts right now are tied at 7, I believe, with Green Bay. Let's say the Colts beat Green Bay today. The AFC could wind up in two division battles. So just so you, just a quick update: the Packers are up twenty-one to seven over the Colts. Okay, never mind. We're going to take that back. Because uh, here's the thing: when Aaron Rodgers is playing from ahead, it's like Baltimore. You're not catching them. Um. Okay, so well, they both lose today, so they're going to stay in the same spot. Because, uh, yeah, that's wow. Um, let's go ahead and hit the Colts the remainder of their schedule, if I could, please. Oh, wow. So the Colts have four division games left of their six. Wow. All right. 
that's tough. That is really rough. Now, here's what's unique about that. Because they see the Texans twice and the Jags, that could really shoot them as a clear division leader. Or it can kick them solidly out. If Tennessee keeps playing the way that they are, where it's like, eh, we're going to beat some good teams and lose to some bad teams, they may be firmly in, in an even race there. But if it's a situation where Tennessee starts to stumble, which we've seen them be a lot more beatable lately, uh, again, in games that they're behind, um, you're looking at a situation where the Colts could run away with the division and the Titans could very easily slip out. Um, they do have, I mean, the Colts at Titans, that's going to be pivotal for, you know, as many reasons I've already named. Um, but then they got the Raiders and the Steelers. Oof, that's tough. Again, very, eh, that team could win a lot if they don't turn the ball over. Thank you, sir. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. We haven't even got to the NFC yet. Let's go ahead and just run through the division leaders on that real quick because uh, we're reaching the bottom of the hour. Um, if we run over a minute or two, I'm not going to cry about it. But NFC East, Washington got a win today, hanging on at 3-7. and seven. <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, the Eagles, they took that loss. Um, that's just... Oh, so Washington's four and seven. I'm sorry, I forget this isn't updated with the current to this second um, because it's no, they had their bye week though. Yeah, so it's three and seven. Giants three and seven. Eagles three five and one. Just for kicks, let's click the Eagles and see their schedule really quick. I'll run it down fast. Yep, that's terrible. I, I don't see a situation where with the remainder of that schedule. The Eagles win the division. Okay, so you're talking back-to-back Seahawks, Packers, Saints, when Drew Brees is probably going to be healthy around that time, uh, middle of December. Cardinals, Cowboys will be a win. Washington just proved that they could beat you. I think Brees is out for the season, isn't he? I don't believe he's out for the season, is he? I don't. I don't. I didn't see that he was out for the whole season. Now I do believe it will run all the way. I, it depends. Rib injuries are tricky. It, it could be a situation where he may not be able to touch the football field again, or it could be a situation where he starts feeling great. You know, middle of next month, and he's back and rolling. Um, so pops is fact checking that for me. Um, side note of people that may have season or career ending injuries. Really sad. Greg Olson. Um, right now, obviously, he's the tight end for the Seahawks. Super sad, man. He had a, um, I think it was a plantar fascia. Uh, I don't know if it was a tear or what, but he's having all sorts of foot problems. And if you guys have followed him at all, he's had those foot problems since Carolina days for a couple years now. And uh, him reaggravating that, that may be the end of his career, which is really a shame. I was hoping if Seattle was able to make a run, that they would bring him along because Man, if anybody deserves it for trooping along with subpar teams, he's definitely up there on that list for me. Um, go ahead. Uh, it says that quarterback uh, Drew Brees said he is hopeful that he will be ready to play as soon as he is eligible in week 14. Okay, so yeah, about middle of December then. All right, cool. Um, that's good. And the reason that's good is I just <laughs> I don't want an excuse for anybody that wins the NFC of not having the Saints in there. Because playoff Drew Brees is, is that dude. But, yeah, so the NFC East, just for giggles, click the Washington schedule for me, please. 
Okay, so let's see. Washington has the Cowboys. Beatable game for them. The Steelers, uh, we, if we, yeah, I don't even want to say that. Um, the Niners, I think it's a winnable game. Seattle, they're not going to win that one. Carolina, that's a toss-up. And then the Eagles. Washington has an opportunity. Now, for their level of team, those are hard games, okay? Carolina is a matchup nightmare for them, uh, depending on Teddy Bridgewater's health. Um, Philly, I mean, they just showed that they could beat them. Dallas, no reason they shouldn't. The Niners, I think they could beat the Niners with the current state of that team. Um, they're not beating Seattle. They're just not. Uh, Pittsburgh, I pray to God they don't. But um, So even still, let's see. So let's see. One, two, three, four. Let's say they win those four and Philly loses two. That's it. That's Washington's division, barring a Giants defense that's moving pretty well. But, uh, <laughs> geez, I mean, that's terrible. There's still not a team in that division that's running away with it. I forgot the entire – yeah, they're facing the NFC West. So they have Cincy without Joe Burrow. That's a win. Seattle, it's a loss. Cardinals, that's a loss. Browns, that's a loss. Ravens, that – holy cow. All right, you know what? I'm calling it. <laughs> you guys hear, heard it here first. Washington is finishing, and they're winning that division and getting that divisional playoff spot. The nameless football team strikes again. <laughs> Let's go ahead to the NFC West. Wow, isn't that division fun? Uh, just real quick, Bob Williams makes a great point. Uh, he says that Drew Brees could yawn wrong and pop out a rib again. That's very true. It, people, he's not He's not exaggerating. Okay, and I personally haven't had any rib injuries, thank God. But that is a very real thing, and that's happened before. Okay, rib injuries are a very fickle beast. And you could yawn wrong. You could stretch weird. You could wake up and turn slightly, and it's over. It is all done wraps. He is going to be in the flak jacket of all flak jackets under his pads when he plays again. That thing's going to be bulking like Big Ben during Thanksgiving. Okay? It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be pretty intense. Uh, the Cowboys did take the lead uh, with four minutes, four minutes and 44 seconds to go. Uh, in the second quarter, they're up 13-7 to seven over the Vikings. Alice. Kirk Cousins, if you've done anything for me and for me vouching for you for all these years, don't lose this game. <laughs> this is just of all games. Come on, buddy. Um, yeah, the NFC West is fun. All four, Not all four. All three of those teams deserve to be in the playoffs. Will they? No. With four wild card spots? Yes. Um, here's the thing, though. Okay, the Rams, look at their home record. They're not losing in that brand new shiny stadium. Okay, their away record is always, always, always been their issue. Jared Goff on the road is notoriously not well. Okay, but at home, he's a monster. You can't stop that dude. Um, I mean, they're not in a bad spot. Uh, go ahead and click on the remainder of their schedule, please. Which team? No, Rams, please. Bucks, oh, that's right. Yeah, that starting off bad. Niners, that's winnable for them. Rams, Cardinals, who the heck knows? Um, Rams, Pats, winnable. Rams, Jets, winnable. Seattle, oh, God. Three division games at the end of the season. They've got a tough road, okay? I'm going to say best-case scenario for them. I would say the third wild-card spot 
best case scenario. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I like that team. I think Sean McVay is exciting, but I don't see them. The NFC is pretty, pretty strong, too. Let's go ahead and look at the uh, Cardinals schedule, please. All right, so Cardinals got Pats, winnable game. Rams, again, up in the air. Giants, winnable. Eagles, winnable. Niners, winnable. Rams, again. Wow. Okay, Cardinals sitting in a good spot. You could be wild card spot two or one. Like, that's definitely feasible for you. And let's say they squeak out the win against the Rams. They, you know, already beat Seattle once. If they beat the Rams, even one of those two times, they call it a split, that's their second spot in the division. Okay, now Seattle, don't slip up. I'm going to keep standing on my word. I still think Seattle's Super Bowl bound. And a lot of you are laughing, and that's okay. But you're wrong. Um, if Seattle slips up even once, the Cardinals have a potential to really run through it. Since they don't meet again, that makes it tough. But look at that home record for Seattle. It, they don't even care that the 12th man isn't there. They, they don't have a care in the world. Um, yeah, that's, wow, 5-0. Uh, that 2-3 and three away does make me nervous because, I mean, yeah, let's go ahead and scroll down. I want to look at the total of everybody in the NFC, all their leaders, and who who's looking at home field. Green Bay, possibly. The Saints, mm, they're going to struggle with Breeze gone. I don't care if it's just this week. I think the Bucks might overtake them with Breeze being out. Um, yeah, we know it's not the NFC North. We know that for certain. Uh, or the NFC East. We, we know for certain that they're not going to win that spot. Um, I would say, oh, oh, this makes me sick, but this is setting the groundwork for Tom Brady. That's what this is setting up for. A Drew Brees injury this late in the season, a serious one. Um, I wonder if they, they've met both times. Right, the Saints definitely had their way, um, which is good. That helps them. But let's go ahead and look at the Saints' remainder of their schedule. Broncos. I'm gonna say winnable um, off the strength of Taysom Hill. Falcons winnable. Philly winnable. Chiefs, you're not winning that game without Breeze. But again, he could be back by that point. That's the 20th of December. I still don't see them winning. I don't know. That's a matchup nightmare for Kansas City's defense. Alvin Kamara is a matchup nightmare for anybody. Um, Minnesota winnable. Panthers winnable. So let's say out of that six, they go worst case four and two. Okay. So now we're talking about a situation where they wind up 11 and five, right? Am I right there? No, they would be 12 and four if they went four and two. So they wind up 12 and four. Let's look at Tampa's remainder of their schedule. Winnable, winnable. <laughs> All right. I'm going to say it on air. I can't stand Tom Brady. The NFL. Somebody looked this up for me. Was he there before they made the schedule? Because that's. <laughs> just, <laughs> uh, it's a coincidence. It is a coincidence. Um, the Bucks. I do think they'll win that game uh, off experience. Um, then again, I don't know. Uh, is that at L.A. or is that uh, in Tampa uh, tomorrow's game? It's going to be in, in the bottom of the home team. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, so they went at home. 
even if they lose to the Chiefs, which who knows? Who knows what Bucks team shows up? Um, so yeah, you don't have a shot. Tampa Bay is going to win that division, um, and they're going to win that at twelve and four. Oh no, they're not going to win because the Saints beat them. So I'm pretty sure I thought they beat them week one. Did they not? Yeah, so they beat them week one. Um, and so, yeah, Saints win regardless as long as they stay the course. The Saints can't just they can't just lay over and flop until Breeze comes back. All they have to do is maintain the course because Tampa Bay best case scenario, 12 and four. Yeah, I don't I don't see them at 13 and three. I don't know if there's a 13 and three team out there other than Green Bay right now um, because I, I still think Seattle loses one. Um, so I would say as far as my winner for the bye, yeah, it's, it's gotta be new Orleans home field. It's either going to be new Orleans or green Bay for the home field advantage. And so I think that definitely does hurt anybody coming out of the West, but yeah. So Seattle's definitely got to be wary of that, um, away record there. They got to be doing whatever they can try to pull out all the stops. Cause I'll tell you this, if Seattle gets the home by, Hello, Super Bowl. I told you so. So, yeah, well, I really, really, really appreciate you guys letting me rant a little bit extra today. I could keep going on for hours, but I'll save that because we have time. We got next week and then the week after that. Now we're just going to keep going. Um, and guess what? Even in the off season, I'm going to be here. Um, but, yeah, so for those of you that are still tuned in, I really appreciate it. Um, this is episode two so far, so you know, still trying to work out the kinks. Uh, feel free to comment below anything that you like, dislike, you wanted to hear more about. Oh, you got something for me? Uh, just update the Packers Colts. Uh, the Colts did score a touchdown. It's twenty one fourteen, and, and uh, the Dolphins Broncos Broncos are up thirteen to ten at halftime. Uh, they'll go into the locker room, make some adjustments with Brian Flores, be back, and the Dolphins will trounce them, um, or they better. Okay. Let me just say that Miles Gaskin deserves to be put on a pedestal. Um, yeah. So again, for those of you that stuck around, especially after the hour, I really appreciate you um, continue to support, man. You know, go check us out on Instagram uh, undrafted underscore GM. Please like our Facebook page. That's the only way you're going to get notifications here on say what you will radio. That's the Facebook page that you're going to like for the undrafted GM show. So please go ahead and hit that like button or at least hit that follow button so you get those updates and those notifications about that live. Got another update for me? Well, I just want to uh, – Katie says, thanks, guys. Uh, Kyle says, love it, man. Keep up the good work. Bob Williams says, thanks, Lo. And John, go Colts. Hey. And uh, so we want to thank uh, Bob Williams and Kyle and Katie. Uh, let's see who else was in the room. Donald yeah, shout out Malone. Donald. Yeah, yeah, shout out Donald. For sure. Well, I appreciate everybody that watched, uh, even if you didn't comment. I mean, if you didn't comment, you're a jerk. Just kidding. But uh, seriously, though, for next week's show, episode three, we're going to get back with week 12. Keep rolling. Um, we'll have another spotlight player of the week. Um, but, yeah, please sure to go like the Facebook page. Go uh, follow the Instagram so that way you guys can keep up with everything going on. I will post on the Instagram throughout the week sporadically. Um, but, yeah, I really appreciate everybody for sticking around. Um, I hope you have a good rest of the week. Uh, and as always, go Stillers. <laughs>